0: Last week, uh, we began a series of sermons based on the prayers and laments and preaching of the ancient prophet Jeremiah. And although Jeremiah's situation was different to ours, uh, there are some similarities, which mean that what Jeremiah has to say and what God has to say through him can speak helpfully and maybe even prophetically to our church family in this season. And the book that carries his name in the Bible is a collection of non-chronological prophecies, prayers, sermons, and laments of the prophet. It includes conversations the prophet had with God, some historical accounts of what happened to him and to God's people, and some remarkable stories of what Jeremiah did to get the attention of God's people. And Jeremiah can be a confusing book to read through. But it is helpful to understand that Jeremiah says the same things a few times in different ways. And the passages that we are preaching through in this series are examples of what you'll find in the rest of Jeremiah. And hopefully, we can all feel a little bit more confident to spend some time with the prophet. Now, because of the circumstances of life at the time for God's people, they were in exile in a foreign land. Life was nothing like they expected it to be. Because of all of that, there is so much in this book that gives words to some of life's hardest experiences in our time and place. And in a season like the one that we're living through, we've all felt, and we might still be feeling, as though Jeremiah's words are particularly useful in a time like this. And today we'll see that as the people in Jeremiah's day name their suffering and their grief before God, they are also led to confess. The situation they find themselves in exposes their own human frailty and brokenness and reveals God's power and faithfulness. There in a foreign land, exiled and oppressed, God's people wept as they struggled to see God's power, his love and his faithfulness in the dark reality of their situation. And Jeremiah raises this emotional lament that Kate has just read us from chapter 14 and speaks from his historical horizon of a triple threat of drought, famine, and war. God's people are starving, enslaved, and dying. And as we read through this collection of poetic, prophetic imagination, I'm struck by the confronting and descriptive language that tries to describe the lament of God and the reality of the situation of his people. And Jeremiah's words spoken on behalf of God in verse 17 are powerfully emotive let my eyes overflow with tears night and day without ceasing you might might remember last week the image that Melinda drew our attention to in chapter 9 verse 1 which said a God whose head was a spring of water and his eyes a fountain of tears these repeated and powerful images remind us of a God who is affected by our experiences. And everywhere the prophet travels, everywhere God looks for his people, he finds them starving, suffering, and dead. The extent of the suffering is universal. From the city to the country, the whole community is suffering from drought and war. And the dark description in verse 18 describes the situation of God's people as a dark experience far worse than inconvenience lifestyles. The economy crumbles under the ravages of war and famine as God's people lose their livelihoods. And far worse than all of that, they lose their lives. If they are not dying from starvation, they are being killed by violent oppression and war. They are people unable to live as they once did. Stateless, their movements restricted by their exile rulers, whole communities unemployed and unable to feed their families, and countless bodies piling up in unrefrigerated morgues as famine and war stripped the vulnerable of everything they had left. Lost lifestyles, lost livelihoods, lost lives. A total deconstruction of life, as they knew it and so they cried out to God and God's response is to weep with eyes that overflow with tears night and day without ceasing and then in verse 19 the people respond to God they long for healing and peace but what they experience in their reality is unpleasant and painful they are defeated and they are filled with fear The community feels as though God has fallen silent, in in addition to war and drought and famine, maybe this is the greater tragedy for them that God has not answered them, and they find themselves isolated and exposed. Their circumstance has pushed back the thin security of economy and health, and has revealed the heart of the people. It's exposed the reality of a culture built not on values that lead to God honoring human flourishing. And in verse 20, we hear their confession. We admit, O oh God, how badly we lived, they say. And our ancestors, how bad they were. We've sinned. They've sinned. We've all sinned against you, they say. They acknowledge their own guilt. They take responsibility for their own actions. They acknowledge the sin of their ancestors. By doing that, they recognize the sins of their culture and the worldview that they live out of. They also recognize that their sin is not just based on their behavior. They are not just confessing a list of wrong things that they have done. In the first part of verse 22, the people recognize that they have put their trust in gods who are not God. And this is at the heart of their confession. They confess that they have worthlessly trusted other gods for the rain that would break the drought. And at the heart of their confession is the recognition that they have not recognized God as God. Sin is not just a list of morally wrong things that we might have done. Sin is rebellion against God. Sin is worshipping something created in place of God. Sin is not acknowledging that God is God and that you are not. As I've said in this passage, I wonder as our lifestyles have been impacted in this season, as some of our livelihoods have been affected, even as lives have been lost around us, we might have felt some of what God's people were feeling in Jeremiah's day. Now, of course, I know that our experience here in SA has been largely inconvenience to our lifestyle and not an experience of famine and drought and war, but we have been isolated and maybe you've felt afflicted and alone. Hardship, difficulty and uncertainty, these are all challenges we all face at some point in our lives. And in this season, we are threatened with them all at the same time. What well, is what is this exposed In us, I think our culture is being exposed. The self centered consumerism and distraction that pervades our everyday, our restless desires for power and money and more, the local and global injustices of our economies, the isolation and loneliness that pervades our society, the broken relationships that divide our communities, the uncaring abuse of our environments. All been exposed. And it is not just out there, as though we can point the fingers at what's happening all around us. One of the things that our pastoral team has named together over the last few weeks is that something of who we are as a church family, as the Christian church in general, is being revealed and exposed in this season. And this is true for the good of who we are, that we are so thankful for, but it's also true for areas that we can grow and deepen and develop. And as a church, we want to have eyes to see what we together need to acknowledge and confess. What is being revealed in us? What is being exposed in us? I think this is happening in each of us during this time too. Because in this season, we've all been exposed a little. Our usual busyness and distractions and things that hold our attention and Things that we value so much have been paused or removed and we've found ourselves recognizing something of who we really are, including our brokenness. For me, this has been thinking deeply about how I have loved or not loved those around me. What it means to confess my inaction and practice again a new way of love, marked by sacrificial generosity and passion. I wonder what it might be for you. God's people in Jeremiah's time were exposed by drought and famine and war. And the values and passions of our lives and our culture have been exposed by some degree, by the situation we're in. So what do we need to confess as the people of God during this time? Another question could be, what do you need to confess in your own heart and life. Remember, confession is not just a list of bad things, morally questionable things, although those things might reveal to you the deeper reality of your heart condition and so need to be confessed. A confession is more than that. It is a recognition of our idolatry and distraction and cultural systems and structures and injustices and evils that are not part of God's reconciling kingdom work and imagination. So what is your confession? What has been exposed in you in this season? I want to encourage you to take some time out to search your heart, not just for the list of things you've felt some guilt doing, although you might need to do that too, but especially for the items and ideologies that fill your thoughts. Look for the filters and frameworks that you build your life on. Ask yourself questions like what dominates your passions and your desires, your thinking, your time, your spending? What did these answers reveal about the object of your worship? Confession is an important part of discipleship. It's an ongoing recognition of the transformations that are taking place in your heart. And it should be practiced. Confession is also a communal activity. We all know in our own personal development that you can only change so much on your own. We also know what happens when you add in a coach and a training buddy and accountability. Confession works like that too. Confession in community means we have the encouragement and support of coaches and teammates. As as members of Christ's body, we have a family to share with. Our hope as a church family is to be courageous and vulnerable in our relationships. This also means being courageous and vulnerable in confession. It means being honest together about our weaknesses and failings. It means sharing with others as we recognize shifts that need to take place in us. It means trusting each other with the truth of where we are at when we are exposed. And it means confessing together before God. I hope we can deepen together our practice of community confession as we live and learn and practice together as God's people. I had the chance to do this this week as I read the Bible one-on-one with someone over Zoom this week. And the question we asked each other is, uh, what has worked really well for you this week? Something to celebrate, but also what's something that you've failed in this week? Now, there's lots of other questions we could have asked, but that was a helpful question for me to search my heart, to name something together with somebody else of what I was recognizing in myself, or what was being exposed in myself. What about for you? How can we share together in confessing what's been exposed during this season? Now, the confession we are reading here in Jeremiah is not just a confession of human brokenness. The confession of God's people names their guilt. It recognizes their idolatry, but they also confess what is true about God. And in verse 21, we find that their eyes turn towards God and who he is. They remember who God is. They remember what his name represents, his power and his promises. And it is because of who God is and what he is like that God's people can confess their sin. This is not the confession of a people confessing in order to appease a wrathful God, but the confession of a people falling on their knees before a God of mercy, a God who has already offered His love and faithfulness and commitment to them. And their plea in verse 21 reveals their confession before a God who has already made His covenant commitment to be for His people. And so their confession moves from their brokenness to his power. The lament shifts from human betrayal to God's faithfulness. And at the end of verse 22, we find that their hope returns to God. They remember that it is God who can break a drought. It is God who makes a way of salvation. It is God who is faithful to his promises, even when we can't see it. God is still a God of generous love and faithful promise. He is still passionately pursuing His people, even when they have betrayed and rejected and abandoned Him, even when they have lost all hope. All the way through the story of humanity, God has been relational and loving and kind and generous and just. God has revealed himself to his people in countless ways that show something more of who he is and what he is like. Jeremiah's own journey with God includes a personal experience of God's presence that we are told about in chapter 1. And this collection of Jeremiah's prophecies, prayers, sermons and laments all speak out of Jeremiah's own experience of who God is and what God has revealed of what he is like to Jeremiah. If you go back through the chapters of your life, what do you know of who God is and what he is like? Your story, like mine, and like everyone who's here with us today, will have moments and seasons that tell of God's faithfulness, his love, his grace, his mercy, his kindness, his generosity, and the list goes on. In the stress and change and complexity and difficulty of this season what can you confess of the truth of who God is this season has been hard collectively we've never been through anything like it and for many of us we've found ourselves isolated And maybe even exposed in our desires, our relationships, our dreams, our hopes, our imagination of what life might be like. Now, more than any other time, you might have seen something of who God is. Or you might need to be reminded of the truth of who God is. So, sometime this week... An envelope marked, do not open, got delivered to you. Hopefully you've got it with you. And if you don't, hopefully Melinda's been able to uh, message you. Go ahead and do that now, Melinda. If you didn't get one, I'm really sorry. Um, There's lots of reasons why we might have missed you, but we really don't want to miss anyone. So we'll have to catch up with your details later. I hope everyone can join in. All right. I know some of you have been way more excited than we anticipated about these envelopes Uh, but now I'm going to say open your envelope. I'm hoping that you're not disappointed that it's not a puppy or something like that. Uh, But we've sent out to you something that is true about God. And everyone has something different. Um, Over 80 truths of who God is and what he is like. And we've been praying that the truth about who God is that is written in front of you is something that you need to be reminded of or encouraged by in this season. I wonder where can you see in your life that truth? Where can you see that that is true about who God is? And how are you encouraged by remembering that it is true? Now, whether or not what's written in front of you is particularly or prophetically encouraging to you today. Someone else might need to be encouraged by what is true about God. So we have a Jeremiah challenge for you. If you read Jeremiah's story, he was challenged by God to do some courageously ridiculous things in his lifetime. We're well, hopefully not going to get you to do ridiculous things, but we are going to ask you to do a courageous and generous act. How can you practically, tangibly, share that, that truth of who God is with someone else? We want to send you out like God sent Jeremiah out to practically show someone, uh, someone somewhere in your life This truth about who God is. And we want to share in that together. So we're going to invite everyone to share their stories of how they've done that with us. Uh, We'll probably do that through the Facebook group, but if you're not on Facebook, don't worry. Um, We'll include some stories in email and things like that. You can email in or text in ideas and photos and um, stories of what this looked like for you. But we think in a season like this, there isn't many times where it's more important that we need to be reminded about who God is and what he is like. Sure, we've been exposed. We've been revealed. We need to own and confess our brokenness, our humanity and all of this. And that's so important. And maybe that's something that we all need to do this week. But it's all because of who God is and what he is like. We can come to him and confess our brokenness because of his mercy and grace and kindness and love and forgiveness and justice. And we want to share that with people around us this week. So our hope, our prayer, is that the word you've received today is something important to encourage you. That it's helpful for you in this season. But we've also been praying and we're really hopeful that God will speak through you like God spoke through Jeremiah to someone else with the Jeremiah Challenge. Those are a couple of questions that I have for you for breakout rooms. Uh, In our breakout rooms today, I hope that you can share together something of the encouragement of hearing that truth about God, and also share together something of what's already stirring in your imagination of someone or a way that you can tangibly, practically show the truth about God. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to head to breakout rooms. Uh, We would love for everyone to join us there, Uh, and if you missed out on a word, we can still find a way to get one to you. Uh, But we want to spend some time chatting together, sharing together, and talking about uh, what it is that's true about God, especially in a season like this. Let's pray. King Jesus, we want to honor you as the king over all things. It is because of the generous love that was shown to us when your body was broken and your blood was shed on that cross uh, that we can confess honestly, courageously, vulnerably, our frailty, our brokenness, our sin. God, we fall at our knees before you and own our responsibilities. We own our choices. We own the things that are not right in us and around us, our actions, our behaviors, our words. God, we confess together to the The brokenness of our culture, the brokenness of the story within which we live, it's greed, it's selfishness, it's vain ambition. We confess it all, God. We recognize that this season has revealed to us some things about life that we don't want to go back to, and we confess the things that aren't right in that, that are happening because of our choices. And God, we can confess those things before you as the God of love, as the God who has remained faithful. We lift up now our prayer, our confession of who you are and what you are like. And God, we want to say thank you for continuing to love us, for continuing to be faithful, for pursuing us, for continuing to reveal yourself to us all of the time, but especially in times like these. God, we love you and we thank you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.